for the most part, it's not a really bad negative experience, with one exception, <laughs> and that's the Eagle Tavern. to the latest episode of the Little Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Cooper, and today, today, we are going on a Halloween-inspired journey. I have so much good stuff planned for you today, from a set of quality quotes to an interview with inspiring local kindness about ghosts. You won't want to miss a moment of today's episode. This week, I focus on the idea of being able to practice empathy and what that looks like in terms of kindness. I'm talking about believing someone for their experience and not based on what I think happened. But more on that later. For now, let's start with some light housekeeping, shall we? For housekeeping today, I will keep things brief. I just want to read the most recent Apple Podcast review for this podcast, and it's from A underscore Rose 13. They say, quote, Little Decisions is the perfect dose of positivity to brighten your day. This podcast is well-produced, and the episodes have fun little segments that I enjoy very much. If you're looking to add some uplifting entertainment to your day, definitely check out this show, end quote. I promise to only share some of my Apple Podcast reviews received. I want to share them, though, both as a thank you for those who do them, and as a reminder that ratings and reviews really do matter, and they're greatly appreciated. Up next, quotes! For quotes this week, I offer five inspiring sentences that make you want to live in kindness forever. Survival is like a stone wall, and kindness is the door. Karen White I've learned that people will forget what you said, people forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Maya Angelou Kind words will unlock an iron door. Turkish proverb. Acts of kindness are the blossoms of the soul. Anthony Douglas Williams. Because as long as there is kindness, there is hope. Unknown. For this week's freestyle, I want to talk about the topic practice empathy. Practice empathy is something that goes hand in hand with kindness. By empathy, I mean the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. And I like to think of empathy as agreeing to someone else's experience, even if it's radically different than mine, maybe even especially if. Well, how do you practice empathy? Well, there's a couple different ways you can actually empathize with someone. One is effective empathy, which is when you actually feel the other person's experience. So you feel the same feelings or you feel feelings in response, I think, is more what I'm getting at. If you are angry about something that can make me feel sad and then that's effective, it has affected my feelings. And there's cognitive empathy and that's when you're aware of someone's perspective by seeing it and understanding it. 
And, and that's different. You don't necessarily feel it. I'm sure you have a response. But again, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of that. I just wanted to briefly mention that there's two types because I think how you practice empathy is is also important. You know, you don't want to be driven wholly by your feelings, but you do want to understand what it feels like for someone, right? Doesn't that matter with empathy and kindness? I think we want to understand what everyone's experience is like in this world, at least on some way. Maybe I do. So some of this came about because I was reading a Born This Way post, and it was from Brian Smith, PhD, and I love his articles on the Born This Way um, website. I'll include that in the show notes, but I want to read a quick section from it that just really hit home for me. Quote, we often think about empathy as promoting kindness. What if that's partly backwards? What if kindness is actually one of the best ways to promote empathy, especially towards people who are less like us? What I'm talking about here is not acts of kindness so much as value in kindness, kindness as a norm, even kindness as a commitment. If we truly believe that kindness towards everyone is important, that can empower us to expand our circle of empathy. When kindness is a norm, a strong value we hold, it can help guide how we approach the rest of the world. The more we automatically bring kindness to how we think about everyone, not just those close to or most like us, the more likely we'll be able to make the effort to understand people's experiences, even when it makes us feel sad or challenges the comfort of our identity. End quote. It's something to consider. I really thought that Smith's summed up my argument in a nice little nutshell. I'll end this portion by saying that by practice empathy, I just mean understand that there's more perspectives than your own. And we have to respect that. And everyone's is just as important. This next segment is a new one. It's called Neurodivergent Like Me. And I wanted to share about the impact my neurodivergence has on my life. What is neurodivergence exactly? It's any structured, consistent way that brains work differently for a group of people than they do for the majority of others. Basically, my brain is a little different. While I have several different ways that I'm considered neurodivergent, I'd like to focus today on my ADHD and the signs and symptoms that impact my everyday life. I came up with a list. Some are good, some less so, but all feel uniquely me. And so I'll share. You might be neurodivergent like me if you find mystery bruises. Why? Because I have no spatial awareness. You might be neurodivergent like me if you are a fast learner when interested. Yep, if I'm interested in a subject, I can learn something pretty quickly because I'm a dopamine chaser. You might be neurodivergent like me if you fidget often. Biting my nails is a common thing for me too. It all kind of runs together. I'm just a little nervous. You might be neurodivergent like me if you forget important dates or appointments because I'm consistently losing track of time. You might be neurodivergent like me if you have serious problems with impulse spending. Thanks, Amazon. You might be neurodivergent like me if you are consistently cycling through hobbies and interests. You might be neurodivergent like me if you 
could be called lazy when in fact you're just overwhelmed. You might be neurodivergent like me if you forget what you're saying mid-sentence. What are some signs and symptoms of your neurodivergence? Feel free to share them on social media at Little Decisions Podcast. Up next, local news. For this week's local news, I have some updates from some folks that also have interviews on this podcast. So I hope this inspires you to go listen to those if you haven't already. The first is a trick or treat. You can trick or treat with a UGA Spike Squad on Halloween. That's right, on Sunday, October 31st, from 5 to 8 p.m. on the corner of Millage Terrace and Westlake Drive, you can get a photo, glow bracelet, and have a fun, spooky, and safe Halloween with UGA Spike Squad. Squale Shodom, a.k.a. Coach Squale, was pictured in the Athens Banner Herald recently as part of his work on the documentary sequel 30 Years in the Making, Athens, Georgia, Inside Out 2, Red Turns into Blue, which will premiere at the Morton Theater this Friday, October 29th or will be available for streaming or DVD on Tuesday, November 2nd. This documentary about the influence of music on social justice in Athens, Georgia is not to be missed. And that's news. For this special Halloween edition of Spooky Facts, I'm going to offer some scary information about candy corn. Candy corn. Did you know that candy corn is made up of 12 ingredients and that some of these ingredients, like yellow number six, could be carcinogenic? Did you know that candy corn has zero nutritional value, with a serving size being 19 pieces at 140 calories approximately? Did you know that the glaze on candy corn, confectioner's glaze, comes from bugs and an open bag of candy corn can last up to six months before, quote, going bad? That's Spooky Facts, Candy Corn Edition. For today's kindness and practice, we will shift our focus to a more otherworldly experience now. I have for you my interview with spooky kind author Tracy Adkins. We talk about her book, Ghosts of Athens, History and Haunting of Athens, Georgia. Did you always want to be a writer? I did. I mean, basically since before I was born. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I have been writing my whole life. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I, and I still have pieces that, um, you know, like from elementary school that, you know, would get published in the little school newspaper or little books they'd have us create. And up through high school, I would publish poetry and short stories and that kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah, I've just always written. Tell me what your favorite part about writing the book was. It was doing the interviews. I mean, it was just so much fun to, you know, to meet up with somebody and we'd sit down and, okay, you know, tell me about your experience. Yeah. So I'd always, you know, get them to start, like, put me in the place of, you know, what was going on in your life at the time when this happened. And they say, I was uh, 15 years old and living you know, in this house. And, you know, kind of just tell me a little bit about their life. And then, but then, you know, all this weird stuff started happening and they tell me the creepy stories, get ooked out together. And it's just fun. It's just a fun experience. That is fun. Can you uh, tell me about the interview you did in the cemetery? Yes. 
So this was last year. I, I, it was spooky season. I can't remember if it was September or October. And I did not set up any book events because of COVID. Um, but my uh, good friend, Andrew Shearer, who uh, works for the Athens Banner Herald, um, he writes for them and has a podcast. And he asked me, would I you know, do an interview if it was outdoors and distanced and masked and everything? Yeah. And uh, it was his idea to do it in the cemetery because um, the cover of the book is a picture of a statue that's in that cemetery. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to go to, you know, where that statue is and do the interview there. Oh, nice. And I thought, oh, that's fun, you know, and I, you know, hadn't even thought about that. So, so yeah, we met over there and I got there and he had, right, it's convenient, right next to the statue, there's like a bench, you know, and it was under a tree and... You know, he had all of his equipment set up, and so we just sat out there, you know, and we've known each other for years and years, and so we just kind of just sat out there chatting and, you know, talking about the book and different things. And That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Would you say that the ghosts of Athens are kind? Um, I suppose so. I mean, I think, I don't think that most of the stories I've gotten from people are where you know, it was a really negative experience. I mean, people will be startled or see something they didn't expect to see. But for the most part, it's not, you know, a, a, a really bad negative experience. With one exception, <laughs> and that's the Eagle Tavern. In the chapter about the Eagle Tavern, you know, in Watkinsville, mm -hmm. um, there's a ghost hunting or investigation group that went in the basement there. And um, one of the people... Uh, that was in the group was down there had one of those disposable cameras in their hand you know they're down there in the dark and I can't remember what they were doing and just investigating and this person feels something grab its hand grab his hand and crushed it so hard that broke the camera and broke his hand he had to go to the hospital and had a broken hand oh my gosh <laughs> that's pretty bad yeah that's pretty bad um yeah I uh, I don't think I would go in that basement yeah. in the dark I've been in it in the day you have any specific suggestions on how we might be kind to ghosts ourselves that's an interesting question you know, I don't know what they are, or yeah. is it one thing, or is it yeah. several different things, and, you know, and I think we would have to somehow come to a better understanding about, you know, the laws of physics and what's going on with that interaction, you know, to know how to be kind to, you know, whatever's, whatever's going on there, if that's even possible. But um, I, I think, I don't know if it's kind, but... I think that open-mindedness about things that we really don't have an explanation for would go a long way to help a lot of people. So I think it would be kind to people that do experience that, you know, instead of immediately saying, well, they're crazy, you know, it'd be kinder to say, you know, maybe we don't have all the answers. You know, and frankly, if you, <laughs> you do some reading about physics, the physicists are the first ones to tell you that we don't have all the answers about things. So you know, people making assumptions and then being judgmental and, you know, it just, it's not, it's not a healthy, yeah. you know, way to, to go about trying to figure out what's going on around us. I agree. Does kindness have a special role in your everyday life? You know, with like, is there, is there a little way that you're kind of kind to someone every day or kind to yourself every day? I try. <laughs> and as I age, I try more than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of RuPaul, you know, and RuPaul says I always try to come from a place of love, you know, and I, you know, I try to 
live more in that mindset, um, you know, than than I used to. And so when I come across someone who is behaving in a terrible way or doing things that I would say are questionable, you know, I I try to think about it in place of some something may have happened to them or in their life that made them you know, behave this way and to try to be more understanding, you yeah. know, and that's not always the easiest thing to do, but I think being compassionate and not jumping to conclusions can yeah. go a long way towards not having a reactionary society. Well, I think that's just empathy. Yeah. And that's something we don't practice well yeah. at all. Yeah. And it's hard. It's very hard because I think with empathy, the, the part that I know for myself I struggle with is I have to accept the experience how the other person experienced it. Exactly. And that is so, <laughs> that's the hard part. Right. It's not, well, I would have experienced it this way. No, I have to set that aside. Yeah. And setting myself aside is the hardest thing. <laughs>